0: Man, it's good to be together. I, I do want to. Um, uh, I think I think uh, Tanner mentioned this, but what we're going to try to do is every Saturday morning for the foreseeable future, if you're free, every Saturday morning from eight a.m. to about twelve thirty, we're going to just see how many people we can get together, and we're going to be kind of have our antenna up throughout the week of opportunities and then we're just going to go for it, and we're going to attack. We were able to attack three properties yesterday, and it it was amazing what was able to happen when you get a whole bunch of people plus a skid loader. (laughs) Like, 20 people around a skid loader, you can make some serious damage. And so, um, but I I found out this week, uh, a few days ago, that there's a widow in our community, um, outside the Collins-Maxwell community, but there's a widow who had serious damage, tons of trees down. And in my mind, I was thinking, oh, this would be a great opportunity for us to come around and to help her out. And uh, my dad actually told me, like, oh, he went to her property to talk to her about that, and everything was cleaned up. And I was like, wow, that's awesome. But then I found out that she had spent $18,000 to have someone clean up her property. Um, and so, uh, so just know, like, there are people in our community that maybe don't know that there are potentially thirty people, forty people, fifty people who now there might be some widow makers in trees or whatever that like we won't touch, but there could be of that eighteen thousand dollars, we could have maybe done twelve thousand dollars of work just with a group of people in a morning, you know? And so uh, so just if if you can schedule that we're going to spend a lot of the week just driving around knocking on doors uh, making sure that people know they're not alone that they don't have to be making like really hard decisions by themselves and stuff Um, but then if you can move some things around and be there on Saturday mornings uh, then you will probably have the best lunches you've ever had in your life because when you work that hard and if like the celos are involved in food or whatever like it's gonna be amazing food and so so the idea is we eat and then we go home because once you've had a meal like that, you're worthless for at least at least an hour afterwards. So, um, so that'll be the plan just for the foreseeable future. And there might be weeks that I can't be there, but just in general, if if we kind of think Saturday mornings we're going to try, and then we can talk to people and say, hey, if you can wait till Saturday morning, we'll try and get to you and, and knock that out. Um, I, uh, I really wondered about throwing out the window our plan for our service today, <laughs> like just what we were going to talk about. I even talked to some people on the phone about, should we even cancel church today? Should we just show up and, and work on somebody's yard or whatever it may be? But just more and more, I became convinced that uh, we needed to keep focusing on the exact thing that we had planned to focus on this week, and that, that this is God's design for the Sabbath, is that we do look at this list, and it's like, I have such a long to-do list. And you got a chainsaw in your hand, maybe, and you, you put it down uh, to truly intentionally rest, to let our souls rest, to let us turn our gaze to Him, to let Him renew us. And interestingly, our focus this week, w- weeks ago, our focus for this week was going to be on power, <laughs> which I find really interesting because I feel like I've had more conversations about power this week than I have in a long time, you know, even, you know, and getting text messages from from the turnstras saying, like, there's an Alliant energy truck in front of our house, and like, no way, you know, and then uh, it's on, you know, and stuff like that, and just our care, and I know some of, some of you don't have power yet, um, conversations about are you running a generator, all that stuff, it feels like, since we had a hurricane pop up in central Iowa this week, of all things, that uh, power has been on our radar. And I think when I look back at, I think, sermons that I heard when I was growing up, or when I I look back on conversations that I, when I was around kind of church people and stuff, I don't remember hearing the word power very much. I just don't, I just don't remember singing songs about power, you know, I, singing songs about an old rugged cross, which is powerful in itself, life-changingly powerful. But to actually just stop and and say, let's talk about power. Um, you, maybe you've never even been a church that has talked about power very specifically, or maybe you're kind of freaked out and you're like, the only times that I think I've come across people really talking about power as it relates to a church is like a name it and claim it, uh, kind of like a, a, a church where a lot of people have purple hair, white suits or something, and you're just like, I don't resonate with that type of a church. Um, I don't know if talking about power is going to be something that I want to be a part of. And I, I even want, us, want to submit that in the distinctives of our church, which we talked about gospel centered, uh, we've talked about being people of the Bible, we've talked about having a rural vision, And even having one of our major major distinctives being that we are people who are spirit-empowered. That we are actually caring very much about and making a big deal out of power, not so that we can name it and claim it, but we're making a big deal out of power because Jesus made a big deal out of power. That's it. Like, we don't ever want to be a church making a big deal out of something that Jesus doesn't make a big deal out of. But if Jesus makes a big deal out of something, we want to make a big deal out of something. And you could argue, and we're going to very intentionally as a covenant membership of a church, say we're going to be people about power. Um, Jesus is in this place. His disciples are in this place. We're going to be in Acts chapter 1, is where we're going to start this morning. If you don't have a Bible, we've got a stack of them out there. You can take it. It's yours. We'll have verses on the screen. Um, But Acts chapter 1, so if you go, if you find the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, then Acts, Romans. Um, So we'll be in Acts chapter 1. And let's like put the place of what is happening in the life of the disciples. One of the things that's happening in the life of the disciples is they have had a terrible week. They've truly had a terrible week. And part of what's made their week be terrible is their best friend has died. Like that makes your week terrible. Is that Jesus has died, uh, brutally killed. Their whole lives have been turned upside down everything that they had thought, hey, my life is going this way with Jesus. We're going to go right into, we're going to go up and to the right in our relationship. And it feels like all that's been turned upside down. And what the disciples are wanting Jesus to say is that he's bringing the thunder. They want to be like, hey, you're going to start the kingdom now, right? (laughs) Like the kingdom is kicking off now. Like, you are now risen from the grave, you are alive, and now you are going to get this thing, get the show on the road. You're going to start your kingdom, which in their eyes was heaven. You're going to reign all the Roman empires. You're going to bring all that down. Heaven's going to start right now, and this thing is going to be amazing. And look how Jesus responds to their expectations. Acts 1, we're going to start in verse 6. So when they, when the disciples had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And I think some of us kind of felt that way a little bit this week. It's like, okay, Jesus, I'm ready for the next act of the play. You know, let's bring this act to an end. I'm ready for the next scene because uh, I'm just, uh, this is not my home and, uh, and I, I want my true home to get started. And the disciples are asking this of Jesus. Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He says to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by His own authority. Verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. This, uh, I will never, ever read verse eight without uh, the Lord allowed me to have a really unique experience. I was, had graduated from college, had met Jesus while I was in college. I was a computer programming major, worked at for five years. I then decided to go get my master's in, in biblical studies and theology and everything. My first semester was uh, fall of 2001. And so, September 11th happened that semester and everything. But I had a class with this guy named Howard Hendricks, who's now been with Jesus for quite some time. But he was famous. He taught at the school for over 50 years. And so, I had a friend that both him, his dad, and his grandpa took the same class with Howard Hendricks, uh, this intro on like studying the Bible. And Acts 1-8 was our main assignment. And the way that the, that the verse was assigned to us was say you had to write down 40 things that you observe from Acts 1-8. 40, 4-0. And you couldn't cheat. You know, like, there's a B in the sentence. <laughs> Number two, there's a U in the sentence. Number three, like, it had to be like a real observation. 40 of them. And so we, we spent a week working on it, come up with 40 observations, we turned them in. He said, your assignment for next week is 40 more. You're like, what? This is possible? Like, I'm going to start making up stuff, you know, like the sky is blue. But like, no, it's like, look deeper. And so we came up with 40 more. Come back, turn it in. Assignment next week, you know, this is going. 40 new ones, 120 observations from one verse of scripture. And he gave that assignment out because my buddy went, he had like a family or a family reunion over Thanksgiving that year. And he's like, you'll never believe what Howard Hendricks had us do. And my buddy was like, his dad was like, oh yeah, I did that assignment when I was there. And then his grandpa was like, yeah, that was quite an assignment. You know, so all three generations like had that same assignment, but there is so much here for us for our community, there's so much here. I mean, we're not going to spend six hours in this. Um, we're actually going to spend our lifetime in this. But for this morning, you know, he's telling us here that we're not privy to know when the kingdom's going to start. He, it's, it, that's like a downer. It's really a downer. It's a downer for the disciples. It's a downer for us. We don't know when the kingdom's going to start. Uh, then verse 8 does start with the word, but... And what is fascinating is in the Greek language, so the writer of of Acts originally wrote this verse in Greek, and the word that he chose and that the Holy Spirit led him to choose in writing just the word but. So in English, we just have B-U-T, but they could have written this word da, D-E. There are a bunch of kai, K-A-I. There are a bunch of words that you can use as a a conjunction in Greek, and they have different, uh, like, emphases. And there's one that's the strongest of them all. It's like, hey, this is going to happen, but this. And like just the word you choose tells you that's what's happening. And that's the word that he chose here. It's Allah is A-L-L-A is the word that was written, which is the strongest possible but that he could give us. And what I love here is he's saying, hey, I know you want me to start the kingdom. You guys don't know, you're not privy to this, but, but let me, in the midst of that disappointment, give you something that is a treasure. You will receive power. You'd like to receive the kingdom now. Instead, I'm going to give you power. That's what I'm going to give you. You'll, re- you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And it was concealed in the Old Testament that our God is complex. That was in the Old Testament. It was concealed in the Old Testament. It's Our God is simple enough that we, we can expect anybody to comprehend our God. We can expect little girls with Down syndrome to completely, fully comprehend the beauties of their God. Like, that is wonderful, and that is exciting. Like, our God can be fully conceived or our God can be conceived with any mind, He is that simple. And at the same time, our God is so complex that we will never fully comprehend Him. We'll never fully say, I totally understand you, or I totally understand who you are. We'll look at a mountain and say, I can only grasp parts of who you are. And one of the things for us in our comprehension of Him is that we have one God. They're like, how many gods do we have on planet earth? You'd say, we have one. Aren't there three? I thought I heard three names. No, we have one God who exists as three distinct persons. We refer to the Father as the first person of the Trinity. We refer to the Son as the second person of the Trinity and the Holy Spirit as the third person of the Trinity. So, what Jesus even told us when the disciples were like, stay, and he's like, no, it's actually better for me to go and send the Holy Spirit. So, we're told that. Jesus tells us that. And we're like, are you sure? I think it'd be amazing if you were with us right here on the ground. He's like, no, it's better for me to go and send the Holy Spirit. All of us will receive power when the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, comes upon us as empowered people. We are then to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And if you look at a map, what you'll see is that that these men are in Jerusalem. So it's like he's saying like, hey, in your community... Like, you will be witnesses in your community in Jerusalem, in Judea, which is the state that Jerusalem is in, and then Samaria, which is a state next to Judea, and then to the ends of the earth, including rural central Iowa. So what it's saying is that, that, that the power of the Holy Spirit will unleash a, a whole group of witnesses to spread across the earth, and that's what we're swept into as well. And I love that God thinks of us and uses that word You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Man, I've just really like chewed on that word this week. You will be my witnesses. I love that we aren't just people who are like, oh, you'll be my storytellers. He could have said something like that. Hey, you'll you'll learn a lot of stories about me, and then I'm going to kind of empower you to tell those stories to your kids and tell those stories to other people. Like that's not... That's not what we're talking about here. Instead, we're witnesses of Him. And I think of this as it relates to the storm. Like, there are people who live outside of our community that hear about it on Facebook or whatever, since it's not in the news. Uh, but there are people who are hearing about the storm through various ways. And then you have witnesses. Like, people who know what it sounded like, you know, from, your, from where you were, like, hey, how did you witness the storm? well, I witnessed it, you know, in my bedroom, or in our basement, or, you know, went from one place to the next, and and I I remember what it sounded like, or I remember what it smelled like when I went outside and stuff. Like, we're true witnesses in a way that you can go up to any person and be like, hey, how did you witness the storm? Tell me what's, and we're all witnessing the same thing, but from our vantage point, and we're communicating it in our ways. And what I love here is that That is how He says we are going to be in the places we live in, is that He is empowering us to be witnesses of Him. So that we can actually witness. And like, what are we witnessing? Well, we're witnessing Him convicting us of our sin. We're witnessing Him showing just grace towards us, forgiving us of our sins. We're witnessing Him transforming our lives we're witnessing Him healing parts of our lives that we never thought would be healed. And so we're, we're witnessing God at work in us, at work in our community, and He's empowering all of that to actually happen. Uh, then He's empowering us to share that with other people. So like, we're not giving promises like, man, when you show and you tell about you know, the trees that fell on your property... It's like, well, there isn't going to be probably any like supernatural, like, oh my gosh, like what must I do to have that happen, right? Like that's not an appropriate response. But what he is witnessing and empowering is when we're experiencing his transformative work in our lives and we're sharing that with other people, it's affecting other people of "How how do I have that? How do I experience that? And for Jesus to be like, hey, my kingdom's not getting started, but I'm empowering that, which is a thrill of a lifetime to walk into. And so, so one aspect of us being covenant members is that we're spirit-empowered witnesses in rural Iowa. Like, that's how he's designed this, is for us to be spirit-empowered witnesses in rural Iowa. Being a spirit-empowered people at Sacred Mission means that we're empowered to truly witness to our community our God. Like, it's simple. <laughs> is that we're able to witness to our community about our God. So that doesn't mean like, hey, you've got a quota to share Jesus with 6.2 people per month, you know, and like fulfill that quota. Like, that's silly. It's like, just as God is working in your life, like, share with other people what you're witnessing. Man, my heart felt this way, and then I gave thanks to Him, and it seemed to soften. I need to tell someone else that, because they might be right where I'm at. Um, We're living out being a Spirit-empowered witness in rural central Iowa. But then another thing that we're seeing from this is that we're living out Spirit-empowered gifts in rural Iowa. And we could spend weeks profitably talking about just the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us for this moment of our lives. And we're going to discover more, just the treasures of that as, as weeks go on. Uh, but 1 Corinthians twelve four through 7, just very simply will point us in the direction of, of the treasure that we have here. Uh, verse 4 of 1 Corinthians 12 says, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone." To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So, first see in verse 7 to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. For the common good. So spiritual gifts are given to each person, and this happens at first when you give your life to Jesus, but then we see in Scripture that there are instances where the Holy Spirit may give someone 10 years into walking with Jesus a new gift for new purposes of being a part of the church. And this is just not like, oh, there are four people who are gifted in our church. It's saying, no, this is not a few, this is to each one. It's not for selfish reasons, but it's for the common good that a variety of gifts are given. And uh, we're going to dive more into exactly what this looks like. We'll dive more into this. But I think for now, it's amazing to think that the third person of the Trinity is giving gifts to every person who gives their life to Jesus for Collins Maxwell, for Colonesco, for West Marshall, for Baxter, and on and on, and like hand-picking, like, oh, this gift in this person would be perfect here. This gift, this person would be amazing here. And he is like a symphony conductor placing all of these together to lead us to service. And the Holy Spirit is giving these varieties of gifts so that we can function as Jesus's healthy church, we don 't all serve in the same way, but we all serve because we have the same Lord who didn 't come to be served but to serve and just give his life up as a ransom for many and This leads us to see people in all sorts of variety of ways, like I saw a gifting with people with a chainsaw in their hands that 's probably really unique that someone else is not going to have that gifting, but then you see the other person serve in a different way, and together we see the beauty of the church being the light of the world um, So man, how good. I think, truly good in our community to see each of us coming alive with the gifts that the Spirit is giving us. And you might be like, I have no idea what my gift is, or I have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) And it's like, that's okay. Like, that's what we're walking into as covenant members, and what we're walking into as a church, I think, is identifying those, seeing those, um, you know, I've been moved. I think every time Bryce has prayed, I've been like, there's something there. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what's there. But like, I think God has allowed our brother to have a gifting of standing in that place as a church and praying in a way that, that I think our hearts all say yes, you know. And and I think the church identifies giftings and say like, and someone might say, I think this is my gifting. And then when you do it, it's like, ah, I don't think so. <laughs> you know, like I could tell Christy, like, I think I should be on the worship team. And she would very quickly be like, I don't think you should. Like, I think that there are other parts of the church that the Lord has designed you to function in. And, and I, would, I would, it would hurt. Uh, well, she's actually told me that already, but, uh, and, it, and it did hurt. But, uh, but you know, for all of us, we want to be where the Lord wants us to be. And when we are there, that's giving us the most joy and so, um, man, Lord willing, I hope for all of us, even a year from now, to be like, I'm using my gifting. I'm more aware of ways that the Holy Spirit has led me into that. And I see the church benefited. And man, it shouldn't lead us to pride. Like, I'm the most gifted person in the room, because like, that just quickly be like, okay, this, God didn't lead you to that conclusion. <laughs> like, you led yourself to that conclusion. But hopefully we're going in in having a humble confidence and a humble courage to to go for it and to even risk take risks, and maybe even like it, sometimes it 's hard to succeed if we aren 't allowed to fail, and to be like, "Man, you took a swing, and I think you missed." but like swing again, you know, because of the way that the Lord, I think, is using imperfect people to accomplish His beautiful purposes. So, so that's a, a second aspect of being Spirit-empowered, is that we would live out Spirit-empowered gifts here in rural Iowa. And then third, that we'd see Spirit-empowered fruit in rural Iowa too. Galatians five nineteen through 22, shows life without the Spirit, empowering our lives, and then shows what life looks like with the Spirit empowering our life. And so um, let's look at verse 19. It's sobering, but uh, the Lord gave it to us because um, He wants us to, to clearly see what fruit looks like in the flesh and what fruit looks like in the Spirit. So this is fruit in the flesh. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit, look at those words closely, the fruit of the Spirit, so, so this is not Scott's fruit. This is not Tim's fruit. This is not Carrie Ann's fruit. This is the Spirit's fruit in their life. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law to stop them. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. I think, on just the heels of all that 2020 has challenged us with, um, man, wouldn't it be amazing to say that we're actually growing in love, growing in joy? It's like, oh, that's easy to do when everything's perfect in life. But all of Scripture doesn't come out, none of it comes out of a vacuum. All of it comes from real life heartache, real life challenges, and to say, like, when the Spirit is empowering you, you can actually have peace. You can actually have patience. Not just, like, look like you're patient, but you can actually have a patient soul. You can be kind. You can be good. You can be faithful. You can be gentle. You can have self-control. And the beautiful thing here is God doesn't beat us over the head if we feel like we're failing in these areas. He actually invites us to surrender to his love because we don't hide in the corner saying, oh, I'm not, I don't have peace. I should hide because he's probably really disappointed in me. But instead he says, no, I, I want you to come to me because you can't force fruit. You can't just like, I've got pears that fell down off of our tree in the wind. I can't just go and pick up these pears and just like tape them back to the tree, right? It doesn't, it doesn't work that way. I can't try and just like manufacture fruit. It has to actually be connected to Him. It has to be something that we come to Him with our desire for fruit and for Him to actually do that in us, to do that us. And that's what we can do. That's how we can respond is to come to Him, to get in step with Him. I love that. If we live by the Spirit, let's also keep in step with the Spirit. That doesn't mean like I gotta sit by the side of the road and wait for Him to catch up. That's usually like I, I need to spend a lot of time in prayer every day to actually keep in step with Him, with all of the places that He's willing to take me in healing things, growing things, using us in our lives, in our community, in our families that we would actually be people of peace. That we'd be, how great if the covenant members of sacred mission are people of self-control, are gentle people, are faithful people, not because of anything that we've done, but because we've been empowered and we're being empowered by the Holy Spirit to bear fruit in us as he empowers us. So just a few questions. I think these are just like good questions for us. Um, And once again, like I think, it's so easy for us when we see an area of growth to feel shame or it's so easy for us to feel very negative things. And I just want to invite you to feel excitement. If like you see that you're here and, I, and the Holy Spirit might be saying, I want you here to be like, that's his kindness. That's his love. That's his grace to have a vision for us, a vision for our lives to say, here's where I want to take you. And when he communicates that to us, he's inviting us into a beautiful, transformative relationship where he's changing us. And so I think a good first question is just, are you a witness? Are you a witness? Have you witnessed his power? Have you witnessed his grace in your life? Have you witnessed his salvation? And you might say, I've witnessed it in other people. Well, I would say you've heard other people tell you about what they have witnessed God do in their life. And I just invite you to, to make that your story of what God does in your life, to give your life to Him, allow Him to save you, recognize that you, what you bring to this relationship is your sin, and what He brings to the relationship is total forgiveness and a new life, and He is has a plan for your flourishing. And so, would you maybe start today witnessing him as your savior? Um, And then I would ask too, like, how have you witnessed him this past week? It's good sometimes just to stop. It's kind of, we've laid down our chainsaws. I don't hear any running in the room right now. And for us to be able to just be like, hey, how have I truly seen him working in my life and in my community this week? Let me be intentional to think about that. Uh, Then, like, let me not keep that to myself, because I know that the Spirit has promised me to even empower as I share that with other people, that that can change them too. Are you a witness? Second, are you using the gifts that the Holy Spirit gave to you? Now, once again, you might be like, well, I don't know, because I don't know what those are. Or, Um, maybe like you have yet to come to Jesus and have yet to receive some of those gifts. And that might be part of what happens today. I, I would say part of us doing our covenant membership is that we'll actually like sit down face to face and have a conversation just about this and about, hey, how do you believe that God has gifted you? How do other people seem to see that? Because we know that this has happened to every one of us. Then how can we use these gifts in our community for His good, for our good, for the good of our community? So are you using the gifts the Holy Spirit gave to you? Um, Is fear keeping you away? All those things. Like, Let's just step into that and see see what happens. Uh, Then third, is your life showing Spirit-empowered fruit? I think if we really desire to grow in a specific area, I think when I see like self-control is the one that I feel like the Lord highlights to me right now is just like self-control. And so for me, like to not walk away and be like, oh gosh, okay, everything I'm trying isn't working. Uh, I guess I need to try harder to be more self-controlled. And that is like, try harder is usually a terrible solution whenever we read the Bible because that actually separates us from God, separates us from his power, because we think that we can just take up this mantle. Now, we do intentionally work it out, and we intentionally come to him, but that's like what he's inviting me to, I think right now, is saying, I'm saying like, Lord, would you make me a more self-controlled person? Would you give me the power to be more self-controlled? Would you give me a vision of what that looks like? Uh, would you show me just all the times where where I could grow in that, and would I grow in that would i would i go would I follow you in that and not follow my flesh in other areas and and man, I think it can be risky for all of us to even share that with people like I mean I could share that right now in front of everybody, and then it could be risky because you know you guys could could just like terrorize me on that, you know, and be like, hey, Tim, are you? And and, and I'd be like, man, I should have never shared that with people, I feel like, or whatever. But I think the risk is well worth the reward, which is all of us actually coming together and walking together in what the Spirit has for us. Every you in Acts chapter 1 is plural. There are no singular yous, which means when he's saying this, he's saying it to every one of us, but he's saying it to the room. So we're all should be receiving this and all of us together locking arms to live this out and seeing it individually affect us and affect us, plural as well. And so uh, we're going to have a membership process from here. Uh, we, we will do like interviews and stuff, but uh, all of that was going to be lined up this week and then the storm affect all that. So next week we'll start the book of First Thessalonians. Um, but we'll also be talking a lot about where we go from here as the covenant membership. And once again, like no one is expected to become a covenant member, and you can be here for as long as, you could be here for years and not be a covenant member, but what I'd encourage you is everyone's invited to be a covenant member, and if like this is your church, you're a follower of Jesus, like really consider it, and we'll talk more individually what that looks like. But this morning, I think the most important thing that we can do is commune with Jesus. This is all about Him. His heart and His excitement to us was to give us the power to actually be His witnesses. And one of the beautiful things that we get to do is just witness His presence in the life of our church. Um, Jesus created communion for us to actually commune with Him. And so I think as we take these elements together, just all of the growth of Are You a Witness?, are you using the gifts the Holy Spirit's given to you? Is your life showing spirit and power fruit? Um, The best place to go is to take a step towards Jesus and to meet with him. He is the one who transforms our lives and changes us. And um, what I would encourage all of us to do in our hearts is, is when we enter into communion, um, it's not like it's not like Jesus just kind of comes down and communes with us. In a way, we're kind of swept up to heaven every week. Like, it truly should be a powerful time in, in the life of our church where, where we're kind of brought up into the kingdom for a week. Because he says, do this as often as you do it in remembrance of me. I will physically do this with you at the wedding feast of the Lamb. We will take this together, but, but I will commune with you as you take this. And so, so if you are not yet a follower of Jesus, I encourage you, don't take this. Take Jesus. Give your life to Him, and then you can come and take this. There are warnings in Scripture not to rush to the table, repenting of sin, praying, praying. Um, just communing with him and then coming would be really appropriate. Uh, but we'll come, there's a cup within a cup. So there's like the bread underneath. So just grab one cup. We've been really careful how we've prepared this for COVID and everything, but just take one, separate the cups. But what we'll do is we'll all come and take the elements and then we'll stay standing and take it together as family. So let's come, let's respond to him.